Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for linking with us tonight as we work together within the full tide of the approach to the Leo Festival, which occurs later tonight at 9.36 Eastern Daylight Time. So we're working within the full tide of these impouring energies, and it's a potent opportunity. As most of you know, the full moon approach is a five, sometimes observed as a seven-day approach to the spiritual hierarchy. And in fact, we might say the whole month is, as well as the day, the year, and the century and beyond are patterned on this cyclic rhythm which governs this full moon work. The cycles of the breath mirror this work as do the patterns of nature with its periods of in-breathing, pause, out-breathing, pause. The full and new moon periods are the interludes, but they're simply part of this larger whole. And when we view the cycles of the century, it's interesting to consider the period in which we're moving through right now as we move towards 2025. We're in the final phase of what we might call the period of the in-breath. And this can be compared to the final degrees of the sign of Pisces, the last sign of the zodiac. And when we enter into 2025, we're entering into the higher interlude period, which begins with a great influx of Aries energy. So although at this time we're working and looking with expectancy to the new age and to a new influx of energies, at the same time, we're passing through the final phase of the whole zodiacal year, and in this case, century, passing through a field of death, endings, letting go and sacrifice. And this final period of the in-breath can be difficult, for we're tired. We've been breathing in for quite some time now. But as we know, Pisces is really a dual experience. So on the one hand, on the physical outer planes, we're passing through a time of letting go. Inwardly, we're really connecting, for Pisces is a sign of tremendous beauty, depth, and transcendence. We're in the inner worlds open wide, while at the same time, the outer worlds can sometimes seem like they're breaking down. So spiritually, we know that the end approaches the beginning. So there's a great overlap between this bridging between Pisces and Aries. And we might say in the larger cycle, Pisces and Aquarius. But we reach out towards 2025, knowing that it will be a time when we're entering into that higher interlude, a time of pause, perhaps the intense outer activity that we currently witness everywhere will begin to shift as the first burst of spring brings new and rejuvenating energies to a humanity that's been passing through a long cold winter, you might say. Coincident with this spring are a number of astrological factors coming into play in 2025, which will readily support this energetic shift. 
But as we know, Aries is quite intense. It carries the first ray energies more than any other sign. And the year will certainly bring in a powerful influx of energies from Shambhala. So despite whatever happens objectively, spiritually speaking, we can count on the restorative forces waxing in strength. The Tibetan counseled one of his students to to view the entire month of his spiritual life as a preparation for the time of the full moon. This is the time for the appropriation of energies that are not normally available. It's the time for the cultivation of an inner quiet, a time to listen and to cease from speech. And as this silence is cultivated, the necessary space within consciousness is created with which to approach the inner realms. And we do so, appropriating the law of silence. Entry into these inner realms is accorded through a series of stages, we might say, through initiations. But symbolically, we're given to understand that it can look like the appearance after a long hike up a winding trail of a a shed, a, a, a secret house, and the group stands outside that door. And that group has to knock before entry is granted. And as they enter inside this place of retreat, they find themselves in a room wherein a measure of quiet and receptivity is needed in order to sense what needs to be done. And at one side of the room, a curtain is seen hanging over a doorway. And then through effort, and a deeper measure of inner silence, the group eventually is allowed to pass through the curtain, which then in turn permits entry into the inner sanctum, the room wherein the teacher sits and energies are transmitted. In a way, this inner journey could be compared to the three stages of the Leo experience, the sign of the triple sun, The outer door of the house could relate to the physical sun. The room with the curtain could be understood as the heart of the sun, the mystical stage wherein some of the potent energies of Neptune filter through the veil of the sun. And finally, as one approaches the inner sanctum, the tremendous potency of the true spiritual sun which veils Uranus, the triadal light, begins to be sustained for a brief touch when entered as a group. We often speak of the chain of hierarchy, and this is the time, this full moon time, to strengthen that chain and restore the broken links within it. And that's why the rhythm of this full moon work took on such importance for the Tibetan in the work he sought to bring forward to the world. We all know all too well that humanity and the planet have reached a critical juncture in their evolutionary journey. But this isn't a new situation. 
but one that is occurring at this time on a higher turn of the spiral than in times past. The Tibetan provided some clarifying words in relation to how we can contribute to this situation. He wrote that humanity has never really lived up to the teaching given to it. Spiritual impression, he said, whether conveyed by the Christ, by Krishna, or by the Buddha, and passed on to the masses by their disciples, has not yet been expressed as it was hoped. Men do not live up to what they already know. They fail to make practical their information. They short-circuit the light. They do not discipline themselves. Greedy desire and unlawful ambition control, not the inner knowledge. To put it scientifically and from the esoteric angle, he said, spiritual impression has been interrupted and there has been interference with the divine circulatory flow. It's the task of the disciples of the world to restore this flow and to stop this interference. And this, he said, is the major problem facing the ashrams at this time. We can see today, therefore, how the opportunity of the close of the war in 1945 was not fully realized as it had been hoped, and that the door where evil dwells has not been sealed and instead has opened, and our present world situation is the result. So our task in the midst of it all and as the quote said, is to apply ourselves more fully to the task at hand, our task being the restoration of the divine circulatory flow. Through the long, long history of humanity, there have always been periods of interference with spiritual impression, and our recognition of this perhaps provides some perspective on what is happening today. For example, there was the catastrophe of the moon chain. During that first solar system, the moon that we now see in the night sky had been a vital and living entity, a planet, a point, a vital and vibrant point within our solar system, which had connections to stars and constellations related to the feminine aspect. But unfortunately, the people of the moon chain, although being highly developed, nonetheless lost control, became swayed by lower psychism and desire, and the solar logos himself were told how to step in and call for the life of that chain to be withdrawn. Another period we know of interference occurred within ancient Atlantis when humanity again had reached a point where it became obsessed with similar conditions as those that interfered on the moon chain. And consequently, that civilization also had to be destroyed, this time by a great flood. And there have been other lesser periods of interference, which occurred during the waning days of the Roman Empire, during and after the time of the Christ, and then again, we're told, during the corrupt reign of Louis XIV in France. All these periods, as well as many others, 
have been lost, that have been lost within the midst of time were periods of heightened glamour, materialism, times when humanity lost its way. And surely today, because we are preparing for the emergence of the spiritual hierarchy onto the physical plane, there is occurring a considerable backlash that is seeking to arrest the impouring light and block our ability to even realize what is happening. So our task, we know, is to cultivate shraddha, faith, faith in an immediate application of spiritual energy, the cultivation of an attitude which differs from hope, for it is more, hope is more of a distant wish for a divine glory, whereas shraddha calls in the power of now, of being present in the moment, of seeing the plan working out today beneath the surface of our events. By working together in the interludes, in alignment with the powerful agents of the new group of world servers, we mediate between humanity and hierarchy and together meditate the plan into existence. So let's now take a brief moment of silence to blink up with all the many individuals and groups throughout the world who are participating in this full moon approach to the hierarchy by sounding together the Gayatri. O thou who givest sustenance to the universe, from whom all things proceed, to whom all things return, unveil to us the face of the true spiritual sun, hidden by a disk of golden light, that we may know the truth and do our whole duty as we journey to thy sacred feet. Because we're working with the energies of Leo at this time, we're in the sun, or correctly we might say the triple sun becomes an inlet for a powerful influx of energies. I wanted to share a few brief thoughts and reflections related to the Gayatri, which we've just sounded, for it really in a certain sense embodies the mysteries of this sign. As we know, the Gayatri is the most ancient prayer that's come down to us. It was contained within that vast body of teachings known as the Rig Veda. But of course, we can hypothesize that the Gayatri is much, much older than that, used in many systems, many distant stars, for it's timeless, and it's surely used throughout the universe, for it serves to guide all seekers from darkness to light, which is the goal of all evolutionary development. The name Gatri means that which is sung, for it is a hymn or a chant to God. 
but it also means that which brings deliverance. And it's interesting to note that certain clairvoyants have testified to the patterns, colors, and David cooperation that are released through the sounding of the Gayatri. And because the Gayatri pays homage to the great deity, the sun, it has long been used at both the sunrise and the sunset hour. For these are powerful moments wherein the energies are highly concentrated, penetrating, where an alignment between worlds seems to become possible and the three planetary centers can be thought to be coming into alignment and charged by the axis of the sun, which is always there at any particular time. So at this time, at the time of sunrise and sunset, we have the axis of Leo and Aquarius, that potent axis which is coming into play with the coming age. So as we pray to the sun, we come to understand that it's not the physical so, sun so much that we, to which we make obeisance, for that is simply a symbol, a material representation of something wholly other, something which resides deep within, both within the sun itself, but also to that which lies deeply within ourselves. This is the self, the undying one. And of course, the Gayatri can be viewed on multiple levels as a prayer to both God transcendent as well as to God immanent. But the ancient seers were said to understand that all that we see, all that we think we know within this physical world is simply the material manifestation of ideas, of that which truly lies within us, the sun, the moon, and the stars, these are all ideas, all creations that exist within. The Gayatri asks us that these hidden mysteries be revealed, be unveiled, so that we will no longer walk within the illusory thought forms of the three worlds and instead penetrate beneath these veils and enter into a measure of truth. According to Sanskrit scholars, the three words, the first three opening words of the Gayatri evoke a great synthesis between past, present, and future, which we understand as embodying the plan itself, which transcends the limitations of time and space and which unfolds over vast cycles of time. The Gayatri speaks of this. It's a synthetic prayer. And the first three sounds of the Gayatri transcend our little system to perform a powerful trajectory into other realms. Some of the ancients said that the first syllable or sound had relation to the earth itself, while the second sound was thought to relate to the space between the earth and the sun. And the third sound was viewed as corresponding to the space between the sun and the pole star, establishing a type of cosmic antakarana along which the great ones can pass. This is particularly interesting to consider in relation to Leo, wherein under the guidance of the Christ, 
humanity as a group is being encouraged to reach out to the great star Sirius during this full moon period. And Sirius is said to veil the tremendous potency of the pole star itself, another second ray influence. So there is at this time the opportunity for the establishment of a great alignment of hearts between these powerful stars, our sun, and our little tiny planet Earth and its spiritual hierarchy. I asked a friend who's a Sanskrit scholar about these first three sounds of the Gayatri. And he said that in the original wording of the prayer, actually, it begins with seven great utterances or pronouncements. And he said they are like preliminary utterances, which are in the form of seven different types of ohms, each one standing for one of the seven planes of existence. So we can see how this sounding of seven ohms brings about a synthesis between the whole of the seven planes of our cosmic world. The original wording does not at all begin with, O thou, but surely this translation that we use is just what is needed or appropriate for our understanding in this Western world at this time. Then the scholar gave the literal translation of the Sanskrit words, which run as follows. We meditate on the divine light, that worshipful sun of spiritual consciousness that stimulates our power of spiritual perception. But also because he said of the nature of Sanskrit and the words to this prayer, which are, have so many multiple meanings in that ancient language. This is why this prayer has been translated into so many different ways. Blavatsky said that in order to work powerfully with this prayer, preparation is needed and one's spiritual alignment must be held. She said the flesh, flesh must be passive, the head cool, and the soul as firm and pure as a flaming diamond. For she said that if these conditions are not established, the sunlight will not reach the inner chamber and do its work of illumination. In the translation that's given out to us, the Gayatri commands us to unveil or cut through the fogs and mists that block the light and hide the truth. It's said that our forefathers in the dim past knew how to draw forth through the visible sun, the forces of this true spiritual sun. The visible sun was thought to be a lens, a type of window or point of focus through which the rays of the primordial sun could be realized and focused upon our entire solar system, streaming forth as seven rays of light. And it's interesting to consider that the ancient Chaldeans and Chinese astronomers had certain instruments for concentrating particular rays of sunlight, which our modern science knows nothing of. But this power is covered, veiled, for the protection of ordinary humanity. Those who provide this protection are of course the rishis, the masters themselves, 
who were likened in some of the ancient texts to the veins or spokes of an umbrella that was said to exist under the sun through which a type of step-down energy filtered to us through the use of the Gayatri. It filtered down like water trickling down a small or big stream. And over time, each disciple was encouraged to hold fast to the handle of the umbrella. And he or she is said to eventually become able to directly receive the influence coming from the true sun. So the Gayatri evokes the journey of the paths itself. And when we sound it, we demand that our self, the undying one, illumine our way and aid us as a collective to leave behind the world of effects and enter the world of causes. And it was said by the ancients that this path that the Gayatri opens up is not the path for the few, it's not for some and not for others. Rather, it's the path for all humanity, even though many are not as yet aware of that which is being offered at this time. So we observe, we detach, knowing that many are awakening and will continue to awaken moving forward and that our use of the Gayatri can foster that awakening. Growing into alignment with this inner self is like becoming a bird in a tree, watching while another bird eats the fruit. So during this sacred festival of the triple sun of Leo, let us use the Gayatri with a fuller appreciation of its meaning and its majesty. And as we do so, we too can come to know the truth and to do our whole duty as we journey to the sacred feet of the Logos. So now we work with the full moon approach to the hierarchy. The keynote of that approach, he who faces the light and stands within its radiance is blinded to the issues of the world of men. He passes on the lighted way to the great center of absorption. But he who feels the urge to pass that way, yet loves his brother on the darkened path, revolves upon the pedestal of light and turns the other way. He faces towards the dark, and then the seven points of light within himself transmit the outward streaming light. And lo, the face of those upon the darkened way receives that light. For them, the way is not so dark. Behind the warriors, twixt the light and dark, blazes the light of hierarchy. Letting in the light, we come together in group fusion and integration with the heart center of the new group of world servers 
mediating behind, between hierarchy and humanity. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. Project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the great ashram of Sanat Kumara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. Extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known. Higher interlude. Pull the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Endeavor to see the three planetary centers gradually coming into alignment and interplay.
meditation. Using the keynote for Leo. I am that and that am I. Precipitation using the creative imagination, visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet 
and becoming anchored on earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. Use the sixfold progression of divine love. Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servers, men and women of goodwill everywhere, physical centers of distribution. Lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram and sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light, love, and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and life work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. So we just have a few announcements. Our next meeting will be the Virgo New Moon meeting on Monday, August 29th at 6 p.m. And if you're in the New York area, we would encourage you to come participate with us on the physical plane. And then our next full moon meeting is on Friday, September 9th, also at 6 p.m. And so just as a reminder, the exact time of the full moon tonight is at 9.36 p.m. And so if you can take the a few minutes before that time to link up with the worldwide group of people, that would be wonderful.
Thank you.